uh, I hope uh, you got the uh, Elder Busha talk. Uh, Elder Busha, quite frankly, uh, blows my mind. <laughs> His understanding of, of these concepts that we're going to talk about today uh, is always a source of amazement uh, to me. If you, it, he wrote a actually one of his former missionaries wrote a book on him and his experiences growing up and everything that they did incredible book uh, but, I, but here's the one that, that hit me again because we wanted to talk today about prayer and the role of prayer and I think it's so appropriate we just finished the Book of Mormon that now we want to be able to add to that the element of prayer and personal revelation to what all of this means now, now listen folks a little bit heavy but if you can stay with this uh, this ought to open up some things. And I want to start by saying this is particularly important for those of us who have struggled getting answers to prayers. We wonder why answers aren't occurring. Okay? And, uh, and by the way, we'll have this... Uh, I just kind of finished this last night. Uh, I'll send this to Stacy. We'll get this posted. Ron will actually get this posted for us uh, in the next day or so. The Spirit of Christ teaches us that we must pray. But before we can do this with focus, we have to become aware of a multitude of defined or undefined, conscious or unconscious desires. Let me put that a little bit differently. What he's saying is, is that when we pray, we pray for the things that we desire. Right? But we may not be aware of the things, unless we really pay attention, what it is we really desire. And some of those are helpful and some of those are not helpful. And some of those are righteous and some of those are unrighteous. So, as a, so hang with that. Here we go. We have to learn to bring them into our awareness. To analyze them, to categorize them, to bring them into order according to His priorities um, let me give you let me give you an example uh, I I have known those that uh, struggle with their their self-esteem and always feel like in church that they are second-class citizens everybody else is smarter more spiritual uh, they know more they have better heritage their pioneers across the plain you know, my parents divorced when I was two, and you know, we had a hard scrabble life kind of thing. I just don't believe I'm as good as everybody else. Okay? We'll never be the Walcotts in our, in our father's dreams. You know, we just have those kind of as we looked around the sacrament. Okay, now, it wouldn't be unusual for somebody like that to petition the Lord that I want to teach primary. If I'm going to have a calling, I want to be in primary. Why? Yeah, because that's, that's the one group of people I might be a little bit smarter than. Okay? What, why else? You're away from everybody else. You're not having to necessarily look at the, everybody else. You're going to kind of be hidden almost. Just me and the kids in a room over here. Okay? Well, they don't think yeah, yeah, and then they are, because some of the kids, are, you know, they hurt the, you know. And so, are they praying out of a sense of, are they asking what, what the Lord wants them to have? 
No, what are they praying for? Their own desire, right? Uh, I had a number of sweet, I had another uh, sweet sister a few years ago who uh, had gone through a very painful divorce, and I would, and I would say to her, I could really hope at some point uh, that somebody's going to reach out to your ex-husband and help kind of bring him back, and she would say, No, I hope nobody does. I want him sitting out there. He has to suffer as much as he's made me and the kids suffer. I said, do you want blood? She goes, that's optional, but... <laughs> so is she praying for him? No. Is she praying according to her desires? Yeah. And is she listening to the Lord's guidance for her? No. Okay, yeah. Okay, what do you mean by categorizing? Yeah, he's, he's not going to go into great detail on this. Uh, but what he's going to say is we need to struggle to understand what it is that we really want. And then we're going to put those, and then I, I, a lot of times, this is comfortable for me because I do this with my clients. If you can write those down, then you have the ability to take a step back and look at it and go, well, that's not very Christ-like. Or that's really what I'm wanting. It's not necessarily what the Lord is wanting for me. But sometimes if you're categorizing and organizing, you can just kind of let the light of day shine on it. Enough so that you can go, well, that's just me wanting that, but I don't know what the Lord wants. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, now. He then says, when we do not do this, we will be condemned to remain in our prayers on a superficial level or even a level of formality where there are no answers or there are only imagined answers. Ouch! Those times when we, when we may even be uh, complaining to the Lord or to ourselves and we're saying, you know what, I've been praying and praying and praying and I'm not getting any answers. Yeah. Could it be that one of the possibilities here is that when you start listening to what it is that you're actually praying for, that it's coming out of where? Your own desires, not His. That's why we've talked in past classes about the importance of the education of our desires and the transformation of our desires over time. And when He's going to transform us, He's going to transform us so that we want the same things He wants. We love the same things He wants. And most specifically, we want for us what He wants for us. Let me go back to my original story. That someone who feels like a second class citizen and they're praying over and over, just put me in primary or the nursery please because I don't really deserve to be in Relief Society or young women, I might taint them with my presence. What happens if the Lord is saying to them, you have some beautiful skills that the Relief Society sisters need to hear? Are they asking for that? If you begin to understand where your fears are, then your prayers will begin to change. And you're in the best possible place to say, I only want what you want. And then I'm scared to death that you'll give me what you want. I'm not sure I want what you want, but if you want it for me, okay. All right.
everyone's on a roll. Let me let me hit you with a couple more. Are we doing okay so far? Alright, here comes the rest. The real part of us, or the real me, the spirit child of God is the author of our righteous desires, of our hunger for salvation, of our longing to eventually become reunited with our heavenly home. When the light of Christ is able to penetrate our hearts, prompted by a focused teacher, it will cause us, cause in us a state of awakening. Now, let me just stop for just a second. Have we, have we listened to some inspired teachers this semester? I'm not talking about me. What inspired teachers have we had? Mormon. Mormon. Moroni. Alma. Helaman. Listen to these... We, what great teachers we've had. Here's what, how the gospel works. Here's how you were transformed. Here's how you get to be different. Here's how you get to return home. And Nephi, Alma the Younger, Jacob. Listen to all these great people. Amulet. We've had one inspired teacher after another. That's why we love to go to the scriptures. But he says, when the light of Christ is able to penetrate our hearts, Prompted by a focused teacher, it will cause in us a state of awakening. Uh, the technical term for that is, ha! Ah! That's, that's the technical term for that. So when, if you're, you're sitting in the temple and you go, ha! Ah! I've never heard that before, right? Or even with some of it, I was reading back to Elder Bush's stuff last night, I'm going, ha! Ah! An awakening of the real me, the child of God, so that we can learn to channel our desires to focus on our true needs. Yeah? What I like about this is that it talks about the light of Christ. Because a lot of the church we talk about how to, use, how to utilize the Holy Ghost yeah. and what the things to do with the Holy Ghost. But if you read carefully when they talk about the light of Christ, it's different things. And we have the light of Christ and we had the Holy Ghost off and on until we were baptized. And when we really gave, like when I gave my testimony, it was for the light of Christ. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, let me remind you something I mentioned, uh, I think about two or three weeks ago. Just a reminder that Joseph F. Smith was the one who said that, that the light of Christ is a gift given to everyone. But uh, when he looks at Latter-day Saints, for instance, that light of Christ seems to be given in greater abundance to Latter-day Saints based on pre-mortal obedience and uh, sacrifices. So yeah, you've got more light of Christ. Why are you here on a Monday morning? Light of Christ. And then you come and the Holy Ghost gets to bear witness that these things are true. Okay? Alright. So, are we all set now? This makes sense? So, th this is, this is I, I can't begin to tell you what a powerful doctrine this is. You are praying according to your desires. And until you understand what your desires are, you may be praying for all of the wrong things. That's why, because now we can go to, uh, pop over 
for just a second to um, Romans 8. Somebody read uh, on Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. Who's got that? You got that? Okay. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Okay, our infirmities being our weaknesses. And I'm going to suggest that one of our weaknesses is our inability to see our own base desires sometimes. Our own blindness, if you will. We're still looking through the glass darkly. Oh, I think fear is a perfect one because we're going to, in fact, we're going to end up taking counsel from our fear. Who are we listening to? Or are we taking counsel from our fear? It's, it's teaching us. So I think fear is a perfect example. Okay, so, so now start it over since I interrupted your train of thought there. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, but we know not what we should pray for. Oh! As we ought. Isn't that fun? Say that in a different way. We don't know what we need. Therefore, we don't know what to pray for. We do not, we don't, we don't know what we need. And you say, I have my kids that are struggling and I, you know, we're needing a, my husband's lost his job or I know what I need, right? No, you don't. <laughs> you really don't. And that's what Paul's trying to say. The Spirit is going to do something interesting for us here. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Yeah, and Joseph changed this to express, groanings which cannot be expressed. There is that we have inside, you know, if you think about it in layers, we have our head that thinks it knows what we need. You know, it's close to Christmas, I need a pony. <laughs> I want the pony. I want a pony. And inside of us, our heart, our, the real us is yearning and saying, what I need is this. What we really need in our life is this. Okay? Alright, so the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be expressed. In the next verse. And he knoweth, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Oh, isn't that great? But he who searches the... Who, who's that? The Lord. He who searches what? What heart? Our heart. He who searches your heart. He who knows your heart. And because he knows your heart, he knows your fears. He knows what you want. Then he throws that out. Then he says, here's what you really need. Because here's what you should be desiring. So I'm going to make intercession. I want a pony. What she really meant was is that she wanted a, a, a new collie. <laughs> With lots of responsibility that will freak her out. And then she will grow. And then years later she'll be happy that she got it. Isn't that what you said? Thank you. 
goes, don't listen to that. Here's what is really needed. <laughs> okay, and then, and then finish. He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Yeah, according to his will. Isn't that great? So part of what we're talking about here is our ability to be transformed. And be transformed so that we want what he wants. And we love what he loves. And we desire what he desires. And not what we think we want. And not what we think we need. Unless we get all teenage about it and we go, Yeah, but I wanted the pony. Yeah. As opposed to, I mean, it could have said according to the letter of the law of God. Yeah, right. It could yeah. Have said according to, you know, it's the will. It's what I've always loved. Isn't that great? And in fact, so in a, in a nutshell, what is the will of God? What, is, what does He want for you? Our happiness. And it has a name. That eternal happiness is called joy. And it's my work and my glory that to get you that's my will. I want you happy. Well, if you want me happy, how come you keep, you know, you run me through divorce or, or dumb kids or, or the nursery or young women's or, you know, not headed spouses or, you know, how come? I thought you wanted me happy. He said, yeah, I do. That's why I have to keep making intercession for you. I've got to translate your prayers. Because otherwise you'll pray out of your desires and not mine. Okay? Now, we set the table nicely for talking about... So, so now let me ask you, how come you're not getting answers to prayers? See how simple that was? Okay. You see why we wanted a whole class on it as opposed to a quick answer. Okay. Okay. Now... I've talked about this in some other settings before, but I want to kind of personalize this. One of the things that happens as, as LDS youth leaders and parents is we want the best for our kids. And when we try and boil it down, what is it that our kids need? What is it that LDS youth particularly need? I, I came up with these points, but I want to translate these to, every, to all of us because we all have these same needs. Okay? Number one, we have to know that God lives. Number two, to know that He loves them. I've mentioned before, I just don't think there, we can say enough to a child who is having a good experience in some kind of meeting where they feel the Spirit to be able to say to them, what did you feel? Well, that was... I felt really good. What was that? What was the Holy Ghost? What does that mean? It means that He knows who you are and He loves you. That's what that means. Every time you feel that, that's what is going on there. He says, I love you. And I would say that to adults. You, I mean, you may listen to Gospel Doctrine or you may listen to General Conference or you may come here and feel the Spirit if you're feeling the Spirit, that means He knows who you are and that He loves you. And He has your best interest in mind. Yeah, but these bad things keep happening to me. Yeah. That's why He's translating your prayers. He's getting you where you need to be. Now, 
need to know that He is anxious to hear their prayers. This is a harder one, isn't it? Do you know that the Lord is anxious to answer your prayers? Sometimes. And, and by the way, when we're not sure that He's anxious to answer our prayers, what proof do we have? He's not answering it, right? Or He's not answering what? The way we wanted it to be. So therefore I have proof. I have proof that He's not anxious to answer my prayers because I didn't give a pony. to you in real time right at that moment. At that moment he is there you're feeling him. Love is a verb. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Now. We go back to Elder C.S. Lewis. Um, and I, I, I used this in an earlier class but I just want to bring this back into this one because I think this is the most startling concept that I think we need to keep reminding ourselves of. The prayer preceding all prayers is, may it be the real I who speaks, may it be the real thou I speak to. Let me say that differently. May it be my innermost desires I'm praying for, and not my surface desires, and, may it be the real thou I speak to. That's a little bit harder. Because he says, infinitely various are the levels from which we pray. Think about the times when you were at your deepest and darkest struggles. Is your prayer different? Does it come from a deeper part of you? You're yearning with your whole soul. And then, so that's why he makes this startling statement that for me in this last year was just so uh, prayer shattering, if that's, a, if that's the right word. Every idea of him we form, he must in mercy shatter. Every idea of him we form, he must in mercy What that means, let's go back to that second part of this. May it be the real thou I speak to. Here's what he's saying. Based on your view of what you want and the prayer answers that you thought you've been given or not, or who you are, or your understanding, or your experience growing up, you do not know this God we worship. You sell Him short. You misunderstand Him. 
You see somebody else that may be capricious or he may be vindictive or he may be revengeful or you say, he isn't anxious to answer my prayers. He wants to see me suffer for a while. He wants to, just, he wants to build my character so he's not going to answer my prayers for a long time because they just haven't paid enough. He wants to continue to blame me or shortchange me because of things I did when I was a teenager. He's going to love the bishop's family and our family not so much. And I don't know why he's doing it. Every idea we have formed in our life because we are human, because we're natural men and women, every idea that we have of him, he must in mercy shatter. Because we don't get him. We don't understand this being we worship. We don't. We can't comprehend him. We put false characteristics on him. We think that he wants to hold off and, re and, and helping us in our repentance process when he's there so fast, so quickly that he wants to start that process. And we don't understand that. And you say, well, wait a minute, I grew up, you know, I, I grew up in the church. I know, I've known this stuff all my life. I should know I can teach lessons on the Godhead and the plan of salvation. I can do the circle thing, you know, the plan of salvation thing. And it goes here, and then we go here, and there's three circles here, and then there's one right here. I can do all that stuff. And he goes, no, you don't get him. You don't understand this being you're about to pray to, this magnificent being. Yeah? It's not good enough. It keeps oh, even when we think we know it, then we, it's shattered, and then we have to say, let me replace it yeah. as we get closer. As, as I see myself the way he sees me, I have to shatter all the preconceived ideas I've had of him. Because he's going to elevate me to see him differently. It's the only way I get to see me differently. Yeah? Uh-huh. Who do you think our Heavenly Father is? Uh, I was in one of those moments of deep, dark despair, and I was praying, and, and I knew that my prayers were really not what they should. I was praying for something I shouldn't have been praying for. Oh, sure. I knew it, you know. But I, at the moment, you know Isn't that funny? Some part of us knows, okay, I know this is a little bit. Right. Heavenly Father is where I am at the moment. And, and you know, at the, at the time I thought, oh, he must really be condemning me for, for wanting what, for me praying for what I'm wanting. And at that moment, I just had this overwhelming sense of peace come over me, and, and it was, be patient. You know, and for me, that really taught me a lot, that my Heavenly Father, he, he knew what I was going through. He knew that really wasn't the desire of my heart. You know, that wasn't that true spiritual desire of my heart. At the moment, it was my moral desire, but he knew that that wasn't really who I was. And he loved me, and just, yeah. and just say, have patience, and you're Okay, so based on that, let me, let, let me just make a, a broad statement. That I think if you're listening to this, and it's like, okay, it's a little confusing to me. I need you to understand two things. 
Number one, you don't know Him. You don't. Number two, you're doing the best you can. Over time, in this life and the eternities, you will come to know Him. Is that fair? Number one, you don't know Him. He must in mercy shatter preconceived ideas that you have. But number two, you're doing the best you can. You're doing the best you can. And you allow yourself to grow and develop and change over time. Is that okay? Okay, yeah. I think maybe, what, maybe many of us have had a difficult time. Is this that word shadow? Oh, yeah. It's such a negative. Oh, absolutely. I wonder if there's another word. No. That word is perfect. <laughs> C.S. Lewis, I would believe, pondered over this to make sure it had the right connotation. It's like you're going to take a mirror and shatter that thing before you can see what's on the other side and get to see the real view of that because you're going to because you were that far off, I believe in terms of our understanding. Yeah. In uh that 
Uh, here, here was my conclusion to all of that. If we're not careful, brothers and sisters, we will worship gods of our own making. Even as Latter-day Saints. We will worship gods of our own making. And, they will, and it will be a decent God, but it will be a limited God. And it will be a God that has a different set of desires and, and is limited in what He can do and where He can take us. And it's a God that is bounded by our own views of ourselves. Yeah, Marvel? The light of Christ will illuminate the real God, which then the Holy Ghost will testify to us is true. That what we're seeing perceiving about God is true. Yep. And, that, and I think we underutilize the light of Christ to illuminate those things. To shine a light on us so we see because it. We, we focus so much on the Holy Ghost. Yeah. That's why when we're looking to, I like that idea of seeing through the glass darkly. I mean, you're seeing Him, not just ourselves, but we're also seeing Him in a dim view. We're saying to him, I think I know what he is. Now, in this life he never completely will. But you're going to grow and he will continue to shatter it as you develop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got it. You know what, that, that's really a good point. Because the thing where our, where our faith is built is that we may not completely comprehend Him, but there's a lot of things where we begin to catch on how much that He does love us in our limited understanding of that. I, I think that's really a good point. There are going to be some things that we're going to recognize. I was right on. I just didn't recognize the scope of what it is that I believe. Uh, that's a perfect point. Yeah. And, and expand that love. Great stuff, guys. Okay. Ooh, ten minutes. Um, what we hope for our kids is that they will know what the Holy Ghost feels like. I'm always amazed, even in my discussions in my office with very active Latter-day Saints, and I start asking, what does the whole Holy Ghost feel like? And boy, there's a lot of times I get my stairs. In fact, there's a lot of times that I'm hearing the same idea of answering a prayer is almost like what I would hear from some of our, our Christian friends. How do you know that you've got an answer to prayer? Well, I got what I wanted, or we got the job, or, or this happens, whatever I was praying for occurred. Well, how about when the Lord speaks to you in your head? Well, I'm not sure I've ever had that happen. I was, I was an adult before I ever, not before I felt it, but before someone that was, it was during prayer, someone that was praying with me identified, following the prayer, identified, did you feel that? They were in tune to me enough to know that the Spirit was there touching both of us. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was, I mean, I was well in my 20s when, when I realized this feeling I've had all my life was the Holy Ghost, it wasn't just the shivers. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, and I think that's perfect. I think oft times we do everything possible, and we should as princesses, youth leaders, 
to provide activities where we can get our kids and the spirit in the same room together, however that works. And they tell them it's there. But, but we sometimes miss that last step and say, what did you feel? I felt good. Let me identify for you what that was. That was the Holy Ghost. Oh, and based on that, He loves you and He's loving you right now in real time. I need to link those things up. That is it. And I believe that a lot of our kids uh, and adults feel the Spirit. We just don't always know that that's what we're feeling. Well, yeah, this was a good speaker. I really felt good afterwards. But I've never had the Holy Ghost bear witness. It's, I think sometimes just nobody tied the two together for us. Okay? Now, just a reminder on this. Somebody quickly over to Moroni 10, 5 and 7. Who's got that? You got that? Okay, let's stop. Oftentimes when we're looking at this scripture, we're thinking about it in context of what? Knowing the Book of Mormon is true. But listen to how expansive that verse is. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, you know the Book of Mormon is true. No. By the power of the Holy Ghost, you will know what? All things, including who He is and what He has in mind for us and what His true desires for us are. All things. That's how you will know truth. By the power of the Holy Ghost. And you may know that He is by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, I, should, I would exhort you that you deny not the power of God, but He worketh by power according to the faith of the children of men, the same today and tomorrow and forever. Okay, let me just... Let me just quote again from uh, Elder Boucher. And I didn't have time to put this up on, on there. I, I have seen tragedies happen when members profess that they had prayed about certain direction and then assuming that they had received answers uh, ran right into disaster. He says, A good help to avoid this dilemma was for me always to put myself through a test. Uh, a test that actually defined by the Lord then, then, then listen to this phrase. This is on page 2 um, of this. Christ is literally cutting a knife into our soul. Making it clear to us that there is no middle way and that we have to always to ask ourselves where exactly we stand. He will say up here, there seems to be inside of us the capacity to be spiritually illiterate. In spite of brilliant knowledge that we may have about the facts of the restoration, the plan of salvation, the organizational part of the gospel, we must never forget that our enemy, the adversary, is also a spiritual being. He has spiritual power. Therefore, he is out to deceive us when he can. And sometimes even the very elect. Finally, he says, after we've settled the issue of not being deceived, I want to come back to the question, do we understand the importance of Christ's statement that absolutely nothing matters unless we take the Holy Spirit as our guide? 
And I, and I just I can't emphasize I think, that enough. That by the power of the Holy Ghost we can know the truth of all things. But only if our hearts are open enough to receive His desires and not ours. Boy, that's hard. Right. And asking for everything and anything. And then you have completely different teaching where it says do everything you can and then go to the Lord and ask for everything. I know. It's <laughs> How much time have I got? <laughs> Alright, let me let, let me let me say this in a nutshell, if I can. Because that is the problem, and I think it's one of the reasons why it is that we don't always get answers to prayer. Because we're in the process of taking to the Lord our laundry list. And we're supposed to pray over everything, and the problem with that confirmation prayer, I'm supposed to study it out in my mind, and I'm supposed to take it to the Lord, and how many times do we hear that preached? I've made problems with that, I have. That because for, and we're going to talk about that very early in next semester, about the fact this was given to Oliver Cowdery at the time he was translating the Book of Mormon. And that confirmation prayer works if you're translating the Book of Mormon. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily work if you're going to be in a position to say, I don't know what I don't know. And Heavenly Father knows. So therefore, rather than go uh, to the Lord in prayer and say, do this, fix this, change this, take care of this, and according to my best knowledge, I've put this together. So I've decided that I should have a pony. Now let me get the confirmation. My prayers have just changed dramatically over the last few years to the point where I just say, I'm just going to pray about gratitude. I'm thankful for everything that I have and the way that I've been blessed. And then when I, then, then when I have my kids, for instance, my grandkids, I will say something like this. And this is just me. I'll say... Heavenly Father, you know what my kids need. And I and thank you for taking care of them today. And thank you for watching over and protecting them. And if there's something that I need to be doing, help me know what that is. We're about to take a trip. Thank you for watching over us while we're about to drive. Thank you. If there's something that we need to be doing, help us to know that. Because it's based on an assumption, I guess, that I have that He knows more than I do and He loves me more than I have any comprehension. And He's already going to bless my kids whether I ask for it or not. But I need, to, I, I need to be grateful for that and then if there's something specific I need to be doing, I need to know that. What is my part of this? Now, I've had some people that have, uh, and I won't ask for a raise of hands, but, I, but I, I've always offered uh, what I call the Educate My Desire Prayer, which is to really ask for very, very little, express gratitude, and then mainly the purpose of prayer is to find out, what would you have me do? And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, this is the hardest prayer you ever pray, because instinctively, habitually, habitually, we want to be able to pray and say, do this, fix this, change this, take care of this. Here's what I've decided, I need a confirmation. And to, to walk away from a prayer not having given in the 
35 laundry list things that we normally pray for. And then, and, and some of you guys have done this. I've done it earlier, earlier in life. Where it's like, I got done with the prayer and it's like, oh, I forgot to bless Aunt Tilly. And we go like, bless Aunt Tilly. And we go, oh, that was close. If I, if I left that out, she was going to be in trouble because she was, he wasn't going to grant her prayer because I forgot to pray for her. You know, it's like he's standing on the other side. He's got this blessing for Aunt Tilly. And he goes, oh, he forgot. <laughs> now I don't get to give it to her. So sad. She really could have used it, but she forgot. Yes, it does. And that's actually a pretty good description, I think. And it talks about how when we pray for things, Heavenly Father will grant things that He's ready and willing to grant us, but He's waiting for us to ask for it. Right. But what are we asking for? Are we telling Him what to do? Or what are we asking for in our prayers? To give us what He thinks is right and... Heavenly, and this is, the, this is the present Irene prayer. Where he says, uh, I only want what you want. Tell me what you need me to do. And I think he's waiting to bless us with that, but he's wanting us in gratitude to come to him and say, my heart is open, whatever you need to have me do, I will do. I think it's also exercising faith. It's saying I really trust you. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And that faith says, I know you love my kids more than I could ever love them. Now, that's why ultimately, just to finish this up, and then it's almost time to eat. Uh, I'm going to pop over that. Okay, here's the rest of the... I need to know what the Holy Ghost feels like. Uh, our youth and we need to know that he's speaking to them and to us to know what he wants them to do because that is actually the next piece honey when you were in testimony meeting you said you felt good yes what did that feel like oh so good wonderful what, what was that that was the Holy Ghost bearing witness that he loves you that he's there for you. Wonderful. Now there's one more step here. Sweetheart. When you were he feeling that, what did you feel like you needed to do? Whenever we are filled with the Holy Ghost, what happens? We get our marching orders, don't we? I, fe I feel so good. I feel like I should be reading the scriptures more. I feel like I should be praying differently. I feel like... And you get and you get this direction, you get this guidance. Here's what I need to do with this knowledge that I have. That's why sometimes people don't pray very powerfully because they're afraid I'm going to be given more to do. Yes, you will. But sometimes it's simply repent. Quit quit doing these things that you're doing. Okay, so. Know that he's speaking, to know what he wants them to do, to know that they have followed his will. 
How did that go for you? Well, it wasn't as easy as I thought. Okay, yeah. But you did it. Yes, you did. You felt the Spirit. It talked to you. You knew what you were supposed to do. And you did it. And then finally, to know joy from having felt and followed His will. Okay. Let me just throw out one last, last caveat and then we're done. And, lo- and like I said, when we get to uh, when we get to next, probably <coughs> early February, I imagine, talking about sections eight and nine uh, of the Doctrine and Covenants, we're about to hit this again because I think this is so key to who we are. But I did want to throw out uh, this last quote just as a reminder from Elder Holland. I wish to encourage every one of you today regarding opposition that so often comes after enlightened decisions have been made, after moments of revelation and conviction have been given us a peace and assurance we thought we would never lose. Over the weekend I had an instant message uh, one of the singles uh, who was, that, that I know who, who messaged me and he said um, I need to know when, when is the, how was he put it? The, whether or not I should marry the girl. Basically what he was saying. And how are you feeling? Oh, I feel really good. Okay. And then I will start to second guess myself. After. And funny, Satan does that a lot. We feel good. We are enlightened. We're going to study about Oliver Calvary. Cast your mind back to the moment I spoke peace to your heart. What greater witness can you have than from God? And then our head gets involved and we go, well, maybe it wasn't me. Maybe I don't deserve it. Maybe that's not what I'm supposed to do. That's going to be harder than what I thought. And then I'm going to have to do things that I really don't want to do and talk to people I really don't want to talk to and have to have to get out of my comfort zone. That could be scary. And, and not only that, I'm not worthy on top of this anyway because I really want, don't want to do that. The best way to get away from that is being able to avoid it altogether because, hey, I wasn't worthy so. How can I do that? I'm going to wait for another answer. <laughs> and at the end of that, he says, I told you. Trust it. And trust me. And follow. And do what I ask you to do. Brothers and sisters, the idea of personal revelation and prayer is so vital to our spiritual lives. It is the most important thing we do. It is the connection that we have with this great being that we are coming to understand. And he wants to guide and direct us and we'll let him do it. The purpose of the Book of Mormon is to be taught by inspired teachers who will bring to us the Spirit, fill us with that power, and put us in a position. I believe the best time to pray is after you've been reading the Book of Mormon. If you want to know something, Read a, read a chapter or so in the Book of Mormon. Ponder it. Hit your knees. Now the, now the light is opened up. And you're going to get to see things that you missed. I bear you my testimony. He wants to answer your prayers. He waits anxiously to educate our desires so that we will ask according to His needs 